Ladies and gentlemen, we'll begin our final descent. As we prepare for landing, please make sure your seatbelt is fastened and your seat back and tray tables are stowed. Also this time, please put away all carry-on items, including laptop and devices of similar size for landing. landing. Ladies and gentlemen, prepare to enter Culturama with Diva. Hello, Culturama listeners, and welcome to this exciting, extra special, inspirational moments episode of Culturama with Diva, where simplicity is the best thing. I'm your host, Princess Tia from Jamaica, and this program is brought to you by Inner Sanctum Entertainment, LTD, and Caribbean Professionals, LLC. We are Inner Sanctum Entertainment Limited, proud sponsor of Culturama with Diva. We encourage you to listen and join us in a journey of cultures, ideas, and innovations as Diva takes us around the world with her guests. An amazing show with an amazing host. We thank you for accepting the challenge of opening your mind. We are Inner Sanctum Entertainment Limited and we are a proud sponsor of Culturama with Diva. We are going to definitely take you guys on a train ride. And I have a very special guest with me, Sabrina. Oh, I can't pronounce your last name. What's your last name, Sabrina? <laughs> very American. It's Schultz. <laughs> Schultz. Okay, yes. Sabrina Schultz. And she's going to take us on our train ride with her journey of mental health, abuse, narcissistic parents wow i don't know what to say very interesting but first tell us who is sabrina yeah absolutely so my name is sabrina um i'm going to be uh dreading it 30 this year um in december i have two beautiful children a girl and a boy so i just tell people i'm done because I mean, you can't get anything else out of that. So, (laughs) Um, and then I have a husband and we've been together for almost nine years and we just got married. Um, I kind of just like, you know, like dragged him to the courthouse. I was like, all right, let's go. (laughs) Like, so yeah, there's that. Um, I'm very, you know, your typical person who's just, had so so much happen if that makes sense and due to mental health you know I've caused a lot of rockets along the way mm-hmm. myself you know holding mm-hmm. myself accountable with that I also caused myself issues as well. Wow. And we are going to go through this brief somewhere here in detail. Now, tell us about your podcast and the title of the book, Train Ride. Why you chose that title? So I, I, you know, I had this book. I was writing it. I was writing it. And it's my memoir. So, you know, obviously for anybody who wants to 
go get it. It's right on Amazon. It's also available on audiobook that I also narrated myself as well. Um, I I don't have like 10 grand, so, so I just did it myself. Uh, it was definitely a journey for sure. And I was thinking really long and hard on what should I name this? And I just kept seeing how my, uh, I keep referring to everything I'm going through as mm-hmm. a nightmare, as a nightmare, and mm. a nightmare journey, a nightmare you know, ride. And then I mm-hmm. just said, you know what? It should be called train ride. And, you know, so people understand that, you know, and I, I want, I almost wanted to put nighttime train ride in there. But, um, <laughs> yes. Like I almost wanted to put that nightmare train ride, whatever. Um, But I didn't. I, because I felt that anybody who can resonate with the spot can pick mm-hmm. up on their own version of what they feel is, you know, what they think this train ride is. Um, and in regular life, which is why I created mm-hmm. my podcast, mm-hmm. um, so that other people can share their stories, kind of like what you were doing. And my purpose with, you know, train ride is to allow people to have a voice to speak up if you know not many write books and publish books or do podcasts but you know they want to talk they want to tell their story and get their stuff out there and uh i'm a very much advocate for people speaking out and just saying what's on their mind because so many people are silenced true but we're gonna go deep into the story uh uh and when I shared this summary with my engineer, we were just lost for words. So Sabrina, we're going to touch on the first part of the summary, the first paragraph. Tell us about the different stages that you went through, for example, substance abuse, mental health, mm-hmm. postpartum depression, nar- narcissistic parents. Tell us about that. Yeah. So I guess starting off with mental health, uh, when I was, well, I started self-harming and I was just a very, very angry, angry child. And for the longest time, I was very conditioned with my biological parents, uh, biological father, that I'm just worthless, that, you know, I'm going to be nothing good in life. Um, you know, many things that he could say. And I always tell this story when I was four. And I They put me in kindergarten when I was four. So I was only four, but I couldn't spell the word camel. And for some reason it wasn't clicking. I don't know. I don't know why. Um, and he got so mad, so angry. Uh, you could just, I could still visualize it to this day and it gives me chills. And he turned red and his eyes just went black. And his fist, he just clenched his fist and threw me into the glass coffee table that we had. Um, All because I couldn't spell the word camel. (laughs) So, you know, that's the type of life 
I grew up in when it came to my father. Then going to my mother, it was like the best thing ever. I'm on cloud nine. But I always wanted that acceptance from my dad. And I had that acceptance from my mom. So I became angry and bitter towards her for I don't know what reason. I used her as a punching bag. Yeah, I really did take every aggression out on her. And I don't know why. Um, still working on figuring that one out. Yes. But, you know, as a teenager and, you know, you hear the mother daughter, uh, you know, you guys always fight. No, not the way my mom, dad, not me. I, you know, anything, my, you know, my father ended up going to prison mm-hmm. um, for stealing over a million dollars. Whoa. Yeah. Um, they could only account for, I think, 800 some, I don't know, 800, 800 something thousand, whatever. So almost a thousand um, or almost a million. I'm sorry, almost a million, but not fully. So they couldn't give him longer time in prison. So he was there for a couple of years, things like that. And um, I blamed my mom. I don't know why, but I did. And I was like 13 and then watching him being handcuffed and taken away. It was just. It was heartbreaking because I just wanted him to love me. And I thought, okay, you screwed up. I've screwed up, clearly. So, like, let's just both be scrubs together and we can love each other and everything will be great. Uh, And that's not what happened at all. I was called a whore. I don't know what I can say on here. Um, Go ahead. I don't know if it's, like, a (laughs) bleep. Um... I, you know, I, I was assaulted while he was gone by a group of friends. Um, and yeah, so then, you know, he, I, I called to tell him, well, he called me because he has to call, but, um, I knew my mom said to tell him and mind you, this was like a couple months later after it happened, I didn't want to say anything. Then I ended up um, attempting suicide because mm-hmm. I was very, uh, very upset with what happened. So ironically, the, the substance abuse part are my parents, mm-hmm. um, not my dad, but my mother, my mm-hmm. brother. Yeah. So I've been surrounded uh, by substance abuse. And I didn't know that at the time, but then I was, um, then as an adult. So I guess fast forwarding or rewinding, sorry. Um, I was very detached. I still was hanging out with these friends as if nothing happened. Um, you know, I would cry and have crying spells. They all apologized and, you know, whatever, told their friends what happened and, told their friends what happened and just you know everybody knew but like at the same time they all gave their versions so it was really frustrating and I didn't know what to do with the information I felt you know knowing that there were more than it was more than one person there you know there was like there's three people involved so 
uh, and I was only 13 and yeah, they were, yes. yeah. Mm-hmm. And they were only like, you know, I, I think the actual guy was, you know, 15, like everybody was so young. Um, so it was really hard. It was a hard process. And, um, going through that was just heartbreaking because I guess as a 13 year old, your mind is just so confused. Like, you know, you've, I've never, I never, you know, had sex at that point. So um, what I ended up doing instead of substance abuse, instead of alcohol, instead of like all of that, I actually just started having sex. Um, and I just used my body, just used it. <laughs> and uh, it was horrible. It was, it was horrible. Like I couldn't, you know, I couldn't numb myself. Like the only way I could fix my problem in my head is just if I just keep having sex with people, it'll all go away. The pain will go away. The thoughts will go away. Like, you know, it'll just all go away. And it didn't. It just made it worse because it showed what everybody really wanted from me in that moment and not that I am worthy of more than that. But once I told my father that, mm-hmm. you know, this had happened to me, um, he, well, first he thought I had an abortion. He didn't, he, he wouldn't even let me speak. He just said, oh, dear God, you had an abortion. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> just shut up. Studies have shown that 99% of teenagers end up with anxiety attacks. Take us through the anxiety region. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, and this goes along with it. So speaking with my dad and confronting him on what happened and him saying, he told me that this will happen to me again. Um, oh, wow. Yes, because I now have prey written on my forehead that all, that predators can see now. And basically I've been initiated into a I'm vulnerable I'm too vulnerable so now it's going to happen again um so maybe I use sex as like a you know a scapegoat of you can't force me if I'm already doing it so I'm not quite sure but yes I've had my anxiety levels I'm on I I was a very timely person I oh like I timely wouldn't even describe it like I think like you know, I would be a half an hour early to go to a friend's house. Friends were picking me up. I would stare out the window. Oh my God, they're not going to come. Oh my God, I'd be so afraid by my best friends. You know, mm-hmm. so growing up, it was, you know, I had very little faith, but I wanted oh. them so bad. And my anxiety and my suicide attempts and all of that landed me in many mental institutions and one I stayed there for six months just a reminder folks that we are speaking with Sabrina Schultz and this program is brought to you by Inner Sanctum Entertainment LTV and Caribbean Professionals LLC if you need instrumentals recording mixing or mastering maybe a music video photo shoot or graphic designing Need Bouncy Castle's face painting, popcorn, cotton candy, or characters for the kids? Want to do online or offline promotion? Maybe both. Let's print your t-shirts and everything else. 
here at Inner Sanctum Entertainment Limited, we got you covered. Reach us on FB and Instagram at Inner Sanctum Entertainment LTD, YouTube at Inner Sanctum Entertainment, and Twitter at iSanctum Studios. Or call us at 1-866-8338-4123. That's 1-866-8338-4123. Take us to the part about grief and loss. So this would be my adult, my adult life. Um, my mother got very sick and yeah. Well, before that then, take yeah. us to the part about your mom and the unconditional love. Yeah, so with my mother, being her punching bag, being that person, you know, I just would always take things out on her. Um, I realized she also had demons in her closet that I did not know. Um, I was unaware of. And that, you know, I wasn't necessarily crazy. She was instigating a lot of the arguments and she was also a binge drinker. So it wasn't every day, but she would drink a lot. And like when she would drink. So, and then she would get really drunk. We'd get into fights. That's how that happened. And being little, I didn't know. Now I was putting the puzzles together. So I was like, uh huh, you got problems too. Yes. <laughs> you know, so together we would just headbutt and fight. Um, but when it came down to it, that was my she you know my she left my dad when i was very young so it was just me and her like against the world right so yes um and the love we had for each other we could literally physically stab each other and we would still like bleed to death while hugging each other <laughs> like we loved each other so much um mm -hmm. it was like one of those loves that you just can't can't describe like she was my best friend at one point like we were on the phone for six and a half hours and we didn't even realize <laughs> oh wow you know yeah. that's a mother's love that's a mother's love right there yeah, yeah wow. we were on the phone and just chatting once we once I moved out we became a lot closer so um and stopped but headbutt but we would still get in our face Unconditional love is just you could see it, you know, you could see even in the book, just all the horrible things that I have done, all the horrible things, all the horrible things she was doing that I didn't know, you know, and then just take, still. Take us to the narcissistic parents and the postpartum depression. Yeah, so with my father, uh, he is no longer part of my life. He, I had to end it, I had to, it was too much. I mean, being told that you're going to be sexually assaulted again, um, just because it's happened, you know, saying, being not worthy, not loved. That's a big ripoff. Yeah, he never loved me. Um, anytime, like, you know, anytime I would ask for seconds, he'd be like, you know, are you sure? You sure you want seconds? Because you're getting a little fat. Um, you know, he would... You know, in this in the psychiatric ward, they had like, you know, everybody on certain diets, um, just to get healthier. You know, figure out a good diet for them. So I was telling him like the new diets I'll be starting because it's supposed to like mentally make you better. And 
he was like, well, good. Yeah, your, you know, health, you know, your weight is an issue. Instead of just leaving it as, wow, that's cool. You know, he had to always throw something in there. And anytime I would try to defend myself or say something, he would just, it's all your fault. It's all your fault. Everything's your fault. It's your mother's fault. You guys are all pieces of crap and you guys are nothing and you're worthless nowhere in life and then I ended up pregnant at 19 mm-hmm. and he was pretty much like yeah see told you like you know and he was extremely racist as well he um was friends with somebody wow I don't know that's weird but um yeah I was I was talking with a person who was black you know like I don't know. I didn't think it was a problem. So I was on the phone with him. We were teens and we were just, all he said was, hey, what's up? And I'm like, hey, what's up? And he started calling me an end lover. Um, He (laughs) said that I'm going to be pregnant real soon and live off of the government for the rest of my life because I chose to be with lazy people. Um, I, I remember that day running into the room and crying. I had no words. I nothing was sad. He was just a friend. It was it was really scary. And um then it made me think like what does he think of me? Like my whole my whole family is a mix of colors. So like we have super white people <laughs> or there's you know we have black people or we me tan, you know. So it's like, you know, it's like, well, then what do you think of me, dad? Like, it, like really? So, yeah, like, the things he would do and say to me, and, like, he's better. He's he's a better person. You know, the gaslighting, the manipulation, and, you know, your mother is a piece of crap, but if you come live with me, I'm going to make sure that you actually go somewhere in life, unlike your mother. Um, And I would listen to a lot of that because I just wanted him to love me. And no, no, he couldn't. And, you know, I just kept thinking, you know, out of revenge, I'm going to go sleep with that guy. <laughs> That's the healthiest way to do things. But like I said, I wasn't mentally in the healthiest spot anyway. So, um, you know, it was sad. It was, you know, growing up with a racist parent. Um, this is really a train ride. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, my like, I it's really a train ride. So, so you need go ahead. Oh yeah, so I was gonna go with the postpartum. So, oh you know, yes, go right ahead. With, with my daughter, you know, I was fine. Everything was fine. Um, but I just, I decided that was it. That was it. No more. I wanted no more. And then with my son, um, yeah, I. Um, I resented my husband. I told him, you know, I did not want kids. And, you know, uh, he knew my my stance on it. And we ended up getting pregnant. Um, And I I have a clotting disorder. I have lupus. I have what my mom has. So Um, I I had to take shots in my stomach every day. Um, None of it was fun. And I hated being pregnant. I hated the idea of it. I just, I, I, what, I didn't want to be 
already had one. I didn't want another one. So once he, you know, so I was already in the perinatal depression stage where I was very unhappy, very resentful, did not want to have this baby. I was thinking of abortions. I was thinking of so many things that, you know, now I look back and I'm like, holy crap, you know, I love my baby. But um, at the time I wasn't ready. I was going to school. I was getting my bachelor's degree. I was not ready. And um, we, you know, had the baby. I was miserable. I, a lot of things happened in between and after that just put me in this huge depression where there's one chapter designated, you know, to my husband called single dad um, because I was gone. I, I mentally was checked out and I wanted nothing to do with my baby for, you know, the, for a couple of years. And then that's where we go with my mom. That's where my mom. Wow. But despite all that, you need, you needed to find peace, joy, and happiness again. So how did you got that? How, how did you gain that strength? So I realized what I needed to do instead of crawling in a corner, instead of, you know, I mean, he's my baby. I have to figure this out. So, you know, I had, instead of, you know, laying in bed and making my husband the single dad, um, cause I was losing him too. I, he was about, he was checked out, you know, uh, my daughter, she lost me. Everybody lost me. And I was really, it really threw me into this spiral. I did a lot of therapy, but I realized what would be best in that moment. Just give me my baby. Give me, force me into that. Now, I wasn't, I didn't have the postpartum where I could potentially harm my child. So I would never, you know, recommend somebody do that if somebody is in that mind state. But I wasn't in that mind state. I just didn't want that responsibility. So that's just me soaking in my sorrows, right? So what I did was I focused on my bachelor's degree. I got that job done. And then I took my baby and stayed with my baby. And I've stayed with my baby ever since. And we built a connection outside of the connection that you're supposed to have, you know, when you first give birth and all that. It didn't work like that. Yeah, it didn't work like that with me. But having the one-on-one every day, you know, an Mm -hmm. occasional break, occasional break, but... The one-on-one every day, I was able to grow to love him. Yes, yes. Yeah, and now well, I can't imagine life without him. I love him. So how, where can persons find your book? Yeah, so it, right on Amazon. Um, it's called Train Ride by Sabrina Schultz. And it's right on Amazon. The audio book you can find on Amazon as well or on iTunes or audible and i think that there's a couple other spots but they don't tell me where (laughs) um and then my podcast train ride is available on any podcast device that people listen to awesome 
you want to say hi to anybody out there in the world um hi i mean i hi listeners thank you i i (laughs) (laughs) i would love your support and you know i'm so happy and you know to be on here with you and um being able to discuss you know some hard tough topics but you know things that should definitely be mentioned and talked about and spoken up about so guys this is it remember life is a journey live good love god one love one heart Let's get together and feel good. See you soon. This is Caribbean Professionals LLC, where simplicity is the best thing. We provide a wide range of services, including audio editing, website building and maintenance, music production, just to name a few. Are you an entrepreneur or music producer or tired of office management handling? Let us take care of it for you. That's right, you heard me. We provide virtual assistant services to take care of your office management needs. We also offer a wide range of courses such as podcast training, public speaking, and entrepreneurship consultation for small, medium, and large enterprises. So come, let us take your brand and put it into the world's hands. Our team is ready to serve you in true Caribbean style. Yes, come and talk with us. We are Caribbean Professionals LLC, where simplicity is the best thing.